Roll down tide. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, this is the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. Like to hear a little bit more conviction in your take, though. There was a lot of maybes, a lot of what ifs, a lot of questions. You need to just get on here. You need to fire and and put me in a position where I have to tell you that you're wrong. And now, here's your host, Neil McCready. Nice, nice. Welcome to another edition of the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, I think it's an interview you're really going to enjoy. I talked to longtime friend of mine, Mike Griffith. He covers Georgia for uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Mike has covered uh, Tennessee for the Knoxville News Sentinel. He's covered Michigan State, and now he's covering Georgia. He's an absolutely terrific uh, sports writer, one of the absolute best. His longtime been... Um, big part of the Football Writers Association of America. You can follow him on uh, Twitter at uh, Mike Griffith. It's Mike Griffith 32. So uh, a lot of interesting stuff. He was covering Lane Kiffin at Tennessee back in uh, 10 years ago. We talk a lot about Kiffin, a lot about Matt Luke, who's now part of the Georgia program as associate head coach and uh, offensive line coach. We talk about Sam Pittman, who left Georgia to go to Arkansas uh, we talk about Elijah Drinkwitz at Missouri. We talk about uh, a lot about Nick Saban, a lot about the league as a whole right now, and we preview the college football playoffs, uh, Clemson and Ohio State, and then uh, LSU and Oklahoma later this month. So we'll get to that in a minute. First, let me tell you about Crystal, Oxford Crystal, Highway 6 West in Oxford, right next door to the Oxford Exxon, where you can get 10 crystals for $6 right now. You can also get the new Nashville Hot Chick, part of the Pick 5 for five fifty-five, And of course, the Breakfast Scrambler Breakfast Bowls. Can't beat them. All of that at the Oxford Crystal right next door to the Oxford Exxon. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, and he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's that simple. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is uh, up to you. You can... Excuse me, you can uh, take that quote and uh, use it moving forward, or you can do what I would recommend that you do, and that's climb into a uh, Clark Ford today. You'll love the product. You'll love the service after the sale. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy, and he will uh, prove that to you, 662-257-1900. We're also brought to you by LB's Meat Market. It's that time, Christmas, about two weeks away. Get in touch with Greg Jones and the people there at LB's. Tell them that you heard about it on the beer garden. Get your order together, 662-259-2999. It's right across from Kroger, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. You want to get that beef tenderloin? Trust me, I'm getting mine there every year. It's absolutely fantastic. It's the freshest cuts of meat, great sausages, pork, chicken, seafood from the Gulf, plate lunches, everything you could possibly want. They've got it at LB's, and not only do they have it at LB's, it's better than you'll get it anywhere else. So check it out. Get in touch with them. Go in and browse a little bit, and then uh, make sure that you get your order in for Christmas because there's nothing like LB's on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, to make your holiday that much more special. 
We're also brought to you by Community Mortgage. It's located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga. It's 30 years old this year. It's one of the oldest mortgage companies in the southeast. All of the underwriting and the processing is done in Memphis. So you're getting local underwriting that understands your market. It's the leader in condo financing in the Oxford market. Ask Jason Lowe about Community Mortgage's float-down option. allows you to lock in the current rate, but if rates go down before you close, you get the lower rate. Get in touch with Jason, J-Low, J-L-O-W-E, at communitymtg.com. And now let's uh, touch base with my friend Mike Griffith of the AJC. I think you're going to uh, really enjoy this interview. Take a listen. My longtime friend, Mike Griffith, kind enough to uh, to join in on this afternoon. Mike, thanks for uh, for spending some time with us. How are you? Doing well, Neil. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm good. You know how it is. Coaching searches, uh, they... they they come in a flourish and and they they happen fast and this one dragged out over about five days which is perfect and then uh now that it's over there's this desire to find out who's on staffs and stuff and quite frankly i think there's a little bit of a of a of a culture shock happening here right now because we've gone from i guess three staffs in a row since i've been on this beat houston nut hugh freeze matt luke that were really open to media you could get information to one that appears to be really locked down and so it's a completely kind of a different different mindset having to having to work in a different way if that makes sense no doubt and and, you know neil you talked about how short the coaching search was and the only thing i can say is early signing day you know that i think that's really impacted how quick a lot of these schools are moving now you know i mean it used to be these things would drag out schools would kind of take their time, see who was interested. Coaches would coach out the season. You had to kind of wait. Yeah, but now with that early signing day, it's like, you got to go now, man. You, you don't have time to wait. You got to get this guy in and finish off a class or start up a new class and kind of just see how it all works out. Yeah, and, and then with the coaching staffs, I think a lot of coaching moves get done. And this is the part that's really unfair to kids, if we're all just being honest. And, and it's the part that kind of bugs me a little. Because the kids are not as locked in to stuff as as we are probably, and I think a lot of deals get done with coaches and they don't get announced until after the signing day. By the time the kid has already signed a letter of intent, and then it gets announced, and it just kind of that that's the part honestly to me that feels a little dirty. Yeah, we saw that happen at Ohio State more than once. You know, some kids who were you know, led down the wrong path. I know last year when Ohio State had the Justin Fields transfer, they were stringing the Dwan Mathis kid along. And, and you know, Ryan Day told Dwan Mathis on signing day, he didn't know if Justin Fields was coming. You know, this kid had to make a call. You know, he's reading all these rumors that Fields is coming in as quarterback. And Ryan Day's telling him that he doesn't know. Uh, you know, he, he chose Georgia ultimately um, because the Georgia coaches said, yeah, we, we think Justin's going to Ohio State. So you're right. Uh, there's a lot of cloak and dagger kind of stuff going on, and it's kind of a grab bag. Everybody's trying to get the kids they can get. It's a lot to to an extent that's you know probably not healthy. You covered Lane Kiffin at Tennessee. Uh back in 2009 i know you were on the vols beat for several years i don't remember how long but for a good long while when you were at the knoxville news sentinel if i recall correctly uh what do you remember about that year obviously that was a different lane kiffin it was 10 years ago he was 34 years old he was the the big hot shot coach from usc what do you remember about that that season and then ultimately his departure from tennessee 
Yeah, I think that's probably the main thing I'd start out with, Neil, is I think it's a different Lane Kiffin. You know, I, I don't think Ole Miss would have hired the, the Lane Kiffin that came right out of Tennessee, you know, along with all the, you know, NCAA uh, investigation undergoing. You know, he had a very aggressive coaching staff working underneath him. And Orgeron was one of them, in fact. Um, and and it, was, it was a win-now mentality. And, and Lane was very aggressive, and his staff was very aggressive, and they were treating us with... Uh, you know, as you said, dynamic personality. Uh, a guy that got a lot of people excited. A lot of people in Knoxville still, you know, look back on Lane's year and, 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 and admire it. I mean, it was the year they wore the black jerseys for the game against South Carolina. And I think they beat a ranked opponent that year. Um, it was a pretty big win for them at that time. But, you know, he's, he is. He's a dynamic guy. He's obviously an entertaining guy. You see a lot of stuff he does on social media. Kids really like him. I think the camera likes him. And I think it'll bring a lot of attention to Oxford. What do you remember about the way that he left? I know it's something that he's talked about since then, saying it's probably one of his really big career regrets. He he took a he took a job at the time that he thought, hey, this is my dream job. It's the only time it's going to be offered. I, I have to jump at it. And then I think the the backlash probably hurt in a way that maybe he hasn't even admitted in those words but I've, I've, i know he's told confidants and such that if he had a do-over he wouldn't he wouldn't have left tennessee but take us back to those those few days if you would well i mean let's face it you know usc was a better job than tennessee in 2010 and you know when you've only been at tennessee for a year um, you know, probably didn't have a great appreciation for the southeastern conference at that time as great of a appreciation as I'm sure he got, you know, coaching Alabama under, under Nick Saban and, and really experiencing the difference. You, you know, the thing a lot of these coaches, and I don't think fans understand it, and you get it, Neil, you've been a long time, but these guys are so insulated. They don't really have a grasp of what's going on around them outside of home to office to fields to home to office to fields. And, um, uh, that's why I said I don't think he had a real good feel for where he was at, what the potential of Tennessee was. Worth mentioning, they still haven't gotten back to the SEC championship game since Lane left. But there's great potential there, obviously, with their facilities, uh, the money that they're willing to put into their program. Um, so, now, if things would have worked out at USC, though, I, I think he'd have been plenty happy that he left. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I think that was his dream job. And it was a different USC. You know, back then, USC was only, what, four or five years removed from being the most dynamic program in college football yeah. with Pete Carroll. I mean, they were they were killing it. I mean, he had been a big part of that, too. I mean, so I'm sure that it was something that, you know, was probably a lot of fun to be inside that program at that time with, with the, the talent that they had in there, especially on the offensive side of the ball and the celebrity status that they had there in Southern California. And he's this young, good-looking assistant and stuff. I mean, it was, I, I, I dare say this was probably a, a pretty exciting time in his life. And when he got to Tennessee and USC opens back up, I mean, I, I understand the temptation to want to resume that. Oh, no question. Yeah, that's why I said at that time, I mean, you know, people might say, well, it was only a year, and, and you know, but now look at it, Neil. I mean, it's this, edge, this, this sort of cuts both ways. You know, Arkansas fired their coach before the end of the second year, you know, so on the one hand, you say, well, you know, we want our coaches to, you know, with, you know well, well, how many time are you going to give your coach to be successful, too? So we're in a different society now. Um, and so back then, I guess that, w- that did seem a little aggressive, but I think it was more about the opportunity to coach at USC 
and maybe he felt at that time that there was a faster track to get back to the top, and I think there probably was. I mean, again, Pete Carroll was exiting the program, and it was in pretty good shape. So, you know, but it did take a lot of people aback. I mean, for Tennessee, you know, Wayne was the first coach after Philip Fulmer, and as much as people, you know, were critical of Philip Fulmer, he's the first ballot Hall of Fame coach where nine or ten wins was standard procedure. And when you didn't win nine, you know, if you didn't win the championship, it was a down year. And people were under the illusion that anybody could win at Tennessee. That's what they used to say back then. Anybody can win at Tennessee. All Fulmer does is stand on the sideline and clap his hands. That's where the fan base was. And, you know, Lane was, you know, the, the antithesis of Philip Fulmer was Philip was very vanilla and very careful about what he said about Tennessee uh, because he's a Tennessean, because he played there. Because he coached there for so many years, you know, Lane came in and it was it was rock and roll. We're going to turn this place upside down. We're going to shake it loose, and we're going to make some things happen at Tennessee. And so uh, that excited a lot of people. But again, as you said, that was the 34 year old version of Lane Kiffin. You know, this Lane Kiffin's been around a lot longer, seen a lot more things, and certainly I think he'll understand that at Ole Miss, I mean, there's a certain level of dignity that's required. And we saw that in the Egg Bowl this year. We saw the reaction. Uh, you know, Old Miss is one of the most proud, respected institutions, you know, in the league. And, um, you know, that's why for some, you know, myself included, we look at this and say, wow, this is a gamble. But at the same time, Old Miss wants to win football games, Neil. It's been a long time. They've proven that they can be competitive. They had success against Alabama when nobody else did. And it's hard to go back to taking a back seat. Yeah. I don't think Ole Miss is ready to do that. So I think this was a, this may be, they, they may be saying, yeah, it's a risky hire. But, you know, at Ole Miss, they want to play to win championships. And that's, that seems to be what this move tells me. Along those lines, well, I'll get back to Kiffin in a minute. I'm going to touch on something because you brought it up. Were you surprised as a guy that I mean, you don't cover Ole Miss, you're covering Georgia, you're not covering the SEC West as much as you're covering the SEC East, obviously. I'm sure you saw Ole Miss some, but you saw it from sort of 10,000 feet, if you will. Were you surprised at the news that Matt Luke had been fired? I was shocked. I, th- I think he was and is one of the finest young coaches in the country, uh, especially when you look at what he inherited. Um you know, <laughs> but, but again, society nowadays, and, and it's the what have you done for me lately, but I, you know, I've been to the you know, spring meetings and interviewed Matt a couple times, and I said, man, this guy is, this guy is targeted. He, this could be a generational coach. You know, he played at Old Miss. He loves Old Miss. He comes across well. He represents the school well. He's proud to be a rebel. You know it's a destination job for Matt. He's not looking to get out of there. He's not looking for the next step. I think he's doing everything the right way. I think he's exactly what Old Miss needs. And so I was shocked. I was flabbergasted. But I can tell you this, as somebody that covers Georgia, uh, you know, <laughs> knowing what Georgia lost, you know, with Sam Pittman, and, and I'm sitting back like everybody else going, you know, boy, this is tough for Kirby. You know, because you just can't replace a Sam Pittman. I mean, Sam Pittman is just such a great line coach and, you know, such a unifying person. And I'll be gosh darn if Matt Luke isn't there now. And you say, well, he's not Sam Pittman, but he might be better. He's younger. Uh, he's just as good of a line coach. He's got that head coaching experience. He can take over that offensive staff meeting room or work with James Coley. Because Matt's been in the battles. I mean, honestly, Neil, the most surprising thing to me is why the heck didn't Arkansas hire Matt Luke? I mean, my goodness. It's a younger version of Sam Pittman with head coaching experience in the SEC. 
So I guess that tells you how I feel about Matt, and I am surprised. But again, you know, there's people that make decisions um, that have different visions, or maybe there's more to the story than I know. But from the outside looking in, I thought Matt Luke was one of the finest young coaches in the country, and I look back at last year, and, man, was it? Four or five games Ole Miss could have won there? Six. Oh, one four. Yeah, six yeah, games. Six, six, six yeah. games. Yeah, so, but, but people get impatient, and, again, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world. If coaching is not like it used to be. I mean, the tenure of these coaches gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And um, so, yeah, I, I was surprised. But, you know, George, I think what? Uh, you know, Kirby hit a grand flame with this one. I mean, <laughs> Talk about falling forward. You get a younger, better version of Sam Pittman. Yeah, it's a perfect fit for Matt, too. I, I love the fit for Matt. I think it it was imperative that he get out of here. He couldn't stay here and live in Oxford with, with uh, his wife and his boys and, and with the Kiffin stuff happening and all aboard the lane train and all of that stuff. Not that not that Matt would have any resentment or anything like that, but it would just been too much. And, and then to get on a staff with a, a fellow Sexton client, and that's absolutely how a lot of these things work, uh, to, get, mm-hmm. to get on a staff with a fellow Sexton client in Kirby Smart, uh, a program that is uh, – not quite to the elite status, but as close as you can get without being there, at least from what I see right now, they're just right there. They're just not quite there, but they're right there. And uh, I think it's a good fit for him, a little less pressure, a little chance to sort of rehab his uh, his image a little bit from a, from a resume standpoint. And if you told me that Matt gets an opportunity – to coach again as a head coach in three or four years after having some real success at Georgia, I'd buy it. I wouldn't be surprised if it was two years, honestly. You know, um, the guy, to me, he's got a great opportunity. George's got a lot of talent. You know, Georgia, this year, with the talent that they had, um, uh, what's remarkable to me is, is if you're a little bit off, you're a lot off in the SEC. And I saw with Coach Jones. I'm going to throw him out there as an example. I mean, and we talk about public perception. I mean, here's a guy who came in like Matt Luke to a program that was upside down. Uh, there were still some sanctions left over. Um, they had an off-the-field incident uh, with some players, and, and they were last in the, in the East. And Butch Jones took that over and, and won more games each year and had Tennessee in the top 10 with a 5-0 record in wins over Florida and Georgia in 2016, you know. And his, his defense gets decimated. He loses his preseason all-CC linebacker, his preseason all-CC corner, and then they sustain five injuries to their defensive line. And they still have to play at Alabama. Uh, they still have to play at South Carolina under the lights. Uh, and needless to say, that team finishes 9-4. and four, And that was year five under Brooks Jones. And people decided right then and there, you know what, he's not going to get it done. And never mind the close games that they lost. This sounds very similar to Matt Luke. Well, on top of it, because there was such a, uh, you know, such pressure for Tennessee to get back, some the fan base, social media eruption, Twitter, and, and even some members of uh, what I would loosely call media. Uh, suddenly there were things written and said that, you know, it was all about making fun of Butch Jones. Um, here's a guy that won as many or more games from one year to the next, the first nine years of his career, everywhere he'd been. And all of a sudden now there's a public perception that he can't coach. Uh, after a bad 2017 season. So, 
it's amazing. And, and to your point, the sex and connection. You know, Jimmy does such a good job with his clients. Butch goes to Alabama. Uh, he works with Tua in that offense. Um, you see a lot of what Alabama does. It might remind me a little bit about what Josh Dobbs did at, at uh, Tennessee, if you take a look. Good hard work. And, and did a nice job as an offensive analyst. And he's been there a couple of years, still getting a big buyout from Tennessee. And maybe a candidate this year, maybe not. Well, I look at Matt, and I don't think Matt has nearly uh, the image issue that Butch left Tennessee with. Uh, I don't think Ole Miss did that to him. I don't think the fans did that to him. Agreed. I don't think the media did that to him. So I think even though some Ole Miss fans are probably disappointed that Matt left, uh, I think they were very respectable about it, and I think they protected their own. He's an Ole Miss guy, and I think Matt left there with his head held high and in the program in better shape than when he came in. Uh, and nobody needs to feel bad about it, okay? Ole Miss was ready for a change. Somebody at the top decided that. They wanted something uh, different and sexy that's going to grab a lot of national attention, and they made that hire. But at the same time, yeah. Matt moves on with his reputation intact, a great opportunity for success at Georgia. And I'll tell you what, you know, I'm going to throw this out there. I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the day if Matt Luke isn't the Ole Miss head coach again someday. I can see it. You know, it's funny now that everything has happened and the cards are have been passed out and we know who, who got what hand, right? You, you, It's funny how it worked out because there was a part of me, look, I like Matt Luke. I got criticized on this site a lot over this past year because I, I defended some and, and uh, because I, I knew how close they were and I knew how hard they were working and I knew what they had inherited. I, I think, I think, you know, anytime, you know how this is, Mike, when you cover one beat for a long time, people start to to label you as a journalist, whether you're a homer or a hater or somewhere in between or whatnot. And it's no secret that my relationship with Hugh Freeze was pretty rocky at the end. And I understood the, uh, the, relation, the, the situation that Matt Luke inherited. I understood that the way that he, he got the full-time job from a perception standpoint, was a PR 101 how not to do something. I knew that it made it very difficult for him. And and I defended him at times, in, in a lot of ways, because I thought he was on the cusp of doing a good job. And, and if I'm completely honest, it was because, hey, he was very fair to me. And I'm a big fairness guy. If you're fair to me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to like you. Um, and, and I liked Matt as a person. Uh, I liked... Uh, I liked a lot of people on on his uh, on his staff, and and not that I was cheering for them, if you will, but I knew that if he did well, it was a really good story. Some at some point down the road, Matt Luke becoming a twenty year coach at Ole Miss and winning big was a great story. I also knew, on the other hand, that when you looked at next year's schedule, with in the first seven weeks of the season, Baylor, Auburn, LSU. Alabama, Florida, all in those first seven games. I knew that you could be an improved football team and go two and five out of the gate. And if that and if that happened, if that happened, there would be no recovery from it. And I knew that the beating that he would take 
in the court of public opinion, on message boards, and all of those things was going to be brutal, and there was nothing you could do to stop it, and it was going to be just a, a bloody crawl to a to a finish line. And I, and I knew that wouldn't be good for anyone. And so now that it's worked out the way that it has, I don't know what George is paying, Matt. I would assume seven fifty ish um if that's the case he's walking out next year making you know 2.7 million dollars a year by the time you put his old miss money in with the georgia money so he's not going to be hurting for, for money they're going to be able to pay the bill and, and and put uh chicken on the table on tuesday night they're going to be all right and he's going to have an opportunity to sort of repair his his resume if you will and Ole Miss did want a splash they did want someone who would bring in national attention who would motivate fans who would uh, sell tickets who would fill up a stadium and Lane Kiffin is will do all of those things will he win at Ole Miss we'll see but will he do all of those things instantly absolutely he will so in many ways for everyone involved now that it's over and the fallout is complete and and people have had a chance to take a deep breath it, it kind of worked out for everyone. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and you know, Lane, Lane should, uh, you know, say thank you to Matt Luke because you look at what Matt Luke inherited compared to what Lane inherited. And, and Matt really did a lot of the heavy lifting. I mean, he got a little bit. I, you know, you talk about insulated coaches, and I'd say insulated fan bases, Neil. And, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here, but I will say this. Two threes left Ole Miss looking really bad. I mean, he, he really damaged the old Miss brand. I don't know if they realize that. And listen, some I, I do, really believe Some do and some don't. And the ones that don't will fight it really hard based on this. And I, and I kind of get it. I, I, I'm not going to defend them because I'm completely with you here. But there are some who say, you know, we spent basically a generation talking about getting back to the Sugar Bowl and Hugh Freeze got us there and by God that's my guy and you can't take that night away from me and the magic of that of that trip and all of that stuff and 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 damn it he was my guy and and I, I wish he had had more time because he he's the guy that he's the first guy at Ole Miss since Archie Manning that made me feel that way yeah well winning does you know, winning does solve a lot of problems, and people are willing to overlook a lot when you win. And and I suppose it depends on the kind of fan. You're right. You know, to me, that strikes me as a little bit more of an NFL mentality. I guess I'm kind of an old guy. I kind of look at a college coach as somebody that you want to represent the culture in that state and represent the education that you receive and, it, and represent the community and, and be somebody that you want your kid to get an autograph from, you know? Somebody that, you know, that truly loves the community and cares for the school and wouldn't do anything to damage the image, that, that would put all those things above their own needs first. And I guess I reflect back on Philip Fulmer, and yeah, he was awful vanilla, and I'm not saying he was perfect, but boy, he'd been every which way but loose to avoid saying anything bad ever. And so he came across as so boring because he was so careful. But nowadays, that's, that's not, careful's not cool anymore. <laughs> you know, it's all about who can turn the Twitter hit and, and get the TV cameras in there, and, and so maybe, so maybe Lane Kiffin is maybe that's what Old Miss wants. Maybe that's what they want more of, and less of the Matt Luke former guys that played for the school, and, and more of the sex appeal and glitz, and, and and I don't know. Maybe that's what it takes to win at Old Miss now. You know, maybe that's what it takes to win everywhere now. Yeah, um, uh, it's a different world, and. 
I just always say be careful what you wish for, Neil. I, I, I'll just say it again. I, I mean, Matt Luke, when I found out uh, that, you know, and I, I'm on a little three-day vacation. I was on a flight. And when I landed and found out that Kirby Smart landed Matt Luke, I said, what a grand slam. Unbelievable. Right when you're just about to write off Georgia and say, boy, you know, when I showed I lost Jim Cheney and Mel Tucker and Kirby promoted from the 10, and the outside perception, oh, you know, they didn't do good. Well, they did pretty good. They beat three top 15 teams, and they lost their top five receivers from last year, and then the top two guys got hurt this year, and the best running back didn't play, and John Gray Swift didn't play against LSU, and LSU's about the hottest teams I've seen in a long time, speaking of Pete Carroll. That's about the last time I've seen a team that looks this good on a football field. But, but I said, you know, this is tough. Now you lose Sam Pittman. You know, I said, boy, this is going to be tough for Georgia. What are they going to do? What is Kirby going to do? And all I could say when I did my interviews before I left town was, hey, they got unlimited resources. Kirby Smart is He's a very aggressive, no-nonsense kind of guy, and, and Kirby's going to get the best guy that's out there. And I'll be damned if they didn't do it. I mean, Matt Luke was just like, holy cow, the sun has come up again. You have landed a guy with head coaching experience, one of the finest offensive line coaches in the country, and one of the finest people in the country. I mean, this is just dynamic. You, you send Matt Luke in there to talk to some of these Georgia juniors that are thinking about going pro, he might recruit them to stay another year because he's that good because he's done such a great job at Old Miss. And, and whether he's working under, you know, Cutcliffe or Freeze, it didn't matter. A former, I mean, Matt's been around at all. Matt can bring new ideas to that meeting room. And, you know, in pure point, maybe the Old Miss ship sailed. They needed something different, a new flavor, right? It's just kind of where we're at now. It doesn't, but, but that doesn't mean he can't absolutely energize that Georgia offensive meeting room and bring those offensive linemen back and go out and recruit the best players in the country to come to Georgia. So, uh, to your point, everybody kind of got what they wanted here. You know, there were people in Old Miss that, that wanted something dynamic and sexy, and, and let me tell you, Lane Kiffin is that. Yeah. He's one entertaining cat, man. He is going to bring some headlines to that town, and he's a good offensive mind, and he's an older, more mature guy, and this is another golden opportunity. Um, Lane's had a lot of them, you know. But I think sooner or later he might hit, he might strike gold. Um, and for Matt Luke, it's absolutely an opportunity, and I think he's probably going to get paid closer to the million. Sam Pittman was making 950000 so I wouldn't be surprised if Matt was right in the million. I haven't seen the numbers yet, but that wouldn't surprise me a bit. So everybody kind of got what they wanted here. But I was, like I said, though, I, I was, I was, I was surprised. I was very surprised by it. And um, you know, Matt's a guy. I tell you this little story. Word for the back to you. You know, when you go down there to San Dustin, and those coaches are walking around, and they, you know, they show up at the press conferences and things like that, and they're wearing their coaching gear, right? Yeah. And then you see them most ways on the beach. They're not wearing coaching gear when they're incognito, right? They're just back being normal. Matt was always wearing his Ole Miss gear. And that was something that stuck out to me. I said, boy, that's a guy that's really proud to be an Ole Miss Rebel. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's no question about that. And he, he they're, uh, He's a good guy. He really is. He's one of those guys that uh, you, you cheer for because he's a nice guy and he's a good guy and he's a fair guy and, and he, he doesn't pretend to be something that he's not. He's genuine and all of those things. And frankly, sometimes 
it's funny how we're having this conversation. This is not where I intended to go, but you, you brought up some really good points, and it made me think of something. In many ways, it's where I think Kirby can help him some. Not that Kirby's not a good guy or a nice guy or a genuine guy, but I think Kirby's got more edge than Matt. And I think if some of that edge rubs off on Matt where he's nice and a good guy and a, all those things, but just has some edge. I don't know if I'm even articulating that in a way that makes sense. I think it might make him better at his next stop. Yep. I think you're right, Neil. And the thing that everybody learns from Kirby is time allotment. I mean, it's, it's no nonsense. Now, you and I know we've we both covered several coaches. And, you know, one of the first things when you're a good reporter – is to build a good professional relationship, okay? We're not babysitting their kids, but when we text them, we need them to text back. And we're not going to blow up their phone and ask them what they think of the weather or the other game. There's occasions when news breaks, and we've got to have that professional relationship. And early on with Kirby, you know, I said, you know, hey, this, that, and, uh, you know, he didn't text back that day. So the next day I saw him, I said, hey, man, I sent you a text last night. He said, I just want you to know, you know, I'm not buddy-buddy with any reporters. It's not going to be that way. I, w- I will text you back as soon as I can. But honestly, Mike, I, I, I'm recruiting year-round. I'm dealing with coaches. I'm dealing with players. I want you to understand it's not a sign of disrespect. And I, I, at first I was kind of like, well, yeah, well, maybe. But then I heard his coaches leave, and they all talked about the same thing. Time allotment with Kirby. He wastes zero time. Zero time. He's, he's different. I'm going to tell you now. He's not just, you know, uh, one of these former Saban assistants, Kirby Smith has an appetite for success that I don't think people recognize. I don't think that you talk about an edge. I'll go further. I'm going to take it one step further. I'm going to use cutthroat. Kirby gets it. Okay. He's only 43 years old. Or maybe he turns, he turns 44 this month. He might have had a birthday. I'm not sure. In his fourth year, in four years at Georgia, he's been to three straight SEC championship games. The last coach to do that in the SEC East was a guy by the name of Steve Spurrier. Steve was 51 years old when he won his national championship in his seventh year at Florida. Kirby in four years has done what Steve has done with SEC championship game appearances. Now, it's early, and I'm not, that doesn't guarantee success tomorrow. Sure. They've got a challenge on their hands with Jake Fromm and will Jake come back or will Jake not. But one other thing I wonder about, because if I'm not mistaken, Georgia once recruited that old Miss quarterback. Is there a chance that he could transfer and end up at Georgia? Well, it's interesting. There's a lot of, of water that has to go under that bridge before we can even remotely begin to even think about answering it because you have to see, what A, what, what was his relationship going to be with Lane Kiffin? B, what happens in spring football practice? And then C, and here's a wild card, what is his role on Ole Miss's baseball team? And how does that, if at all, impact the decisions that he might make moving forward as, as an athlete in one or both sports? And there's no way to answer any of those things right now, but it it is something, if some of those questions are answered in a somewhat negative way, it would, it would be worth it would be worth following a little bit because you know this. If you've got a place where you've got three or four quarterbacks, you at most have two happy people. There are going to be unhappy people in a quarterback room if they're not playing. Yeah, well, Georgia doesn't have very many. Uh, Dwan Mathis is the guy we talked about earlier, but, you know, he had a, a uh, he had a brain surgery essentially last May. You know, he had to get his sister removed from his brain, and his future is somewhat cloudy. He's been practicing, but he's been 
cleared for contact. Stetson Bennett's a former walk-on. Uh, Carson Beck is a freshman signee who doesn't look physically ready. I know that one thing Lane did uh, at Tennessee, Todd Boyd, who I don't know if you remember him, he only went on to have some pretty good success at Clemson. Yeah. He, he was a Tennessee commit, Lane didn't want him. He said, go away. And, and the Baylor quarterback, I'm trying to remember his name, set some records. Uh, another mobile guy that I covered against Michigan State in the, uh, I want to say, was it the Cotton Bowl one year? Gosh, what was his name? He threw for over 600 yards against him. They had those two quarterbacks committed, and Lane, Lane knows what he wants at quarterback. And, you know, if, if, if Plumlee isn't what he wants at quarterback, he'll be frank about it. He'll be frank. Lane's not a guy that's going to string you along. If that's not what he wants at quarterback, he's going to tell you. Yeah. Does he still want a pro style quarterback? I don't know. Does does Plumlee fit that mold now? Does he fit that mold no, of a drop back pro style? He's not a drop back pro style guy. No way. Uh, he's that's not his game. And and so I'm fascinated by it. It's one of if you were to do winners and losers at first guess on the Matt Luke gone Lane Kiffin in one of the people that you'd put, and I don't mean that he is a loser, but someone whose stock fell. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the kid is a John Rice Plumley is he's kind of the kid that you want your daughter to bring home. Um, it, so I'm not I'm not saying that he is a loser in any shape, form, or fashion, but he's a guy whose stock falls in all likelihood in a trade from Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez to a Lane Kiffin offense. Yeah, and what happens to Rich Rodriguez? I mean, I thought he did a pretty good job talking to coaches that, yeah. you know, kind of generated their image back up again. I mean, somebody's going to get a pretty hot uh, offensive coordinator, I would think, out of him. Yeah, I don't know what Rich wants to do. You know, he never really let anybody in this year. I don't know that anybody really got to know him much. Um, I don't know whether he is willing to go do a group of five type head coaching job, whether he's willing to take a step down to the, you know, the the South Alabama type of job. I, I don't, you know, the UT Martin type of job. I'm just throwing schools out. I don't know what he wants to do or whether he wants to go be a coordinator again. Uh, early in the season, a lot of people said his offense was outdated. He obviously produced a lot with Plumlee at quarterback. So, I don't know. Let me ask you this, because I'm curious, because you covered him the last, at least, I guess, couple of years, maybe more than that. A lot of people out there being critical of Arkansas's decision to hire uh, Sam Pittman. Arkansas was in on, on Lane Kiffin. They didn't pull the trigger on it. He ends up, obviously, going to Ole Miss. And then, with the chance to sort of reboot that search, they focused in on Barry Lunny Jr. and Sam Pittman and ultimately hired Sam Pittman. His opening press conference, and I know opening press conferences don't mean a lot. It was, it was interesting. It wasn't particularly. Uh, it it didn't have me wanting to run through a wall or anything. You know the guy. I know him a little bit. Know of him. Have always heard great things of him. I know people are excited for him. Beyond that, how well do you think he'll do as a head coach in the SEC? Well, to be honest, I think it has more to do with where he's at. Uh, and I, I think it would be hard for anybody to go to Arkansas and have success. Um, I don't predict success for Sam Pittman there. And, and not just because of Sam. Not just because he, I don't think he has coordinator or head coaching experience. No. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, he's a warm guy. Uh, he recruits very well. He's very personable. I think he'll appeal to a lot of players. But what kind of staff does he bring with him? Who's his offensive coordinator? Who's his defensive coordinator? Um, I, I'm puzzled by it. 
Uh, like I said earlier in our conversation, why wouldn't they hire Matt Luke? He's the younger, better version of Sam Pittman. You get a guy with SEC coaching experience. You know why, though, right? Because everyone, it was one of the things that Lane Kiffin said in his press conference that I thought was interesting and really revelatory of how much he's grown as a coach. And quite frankly, it's something that a lot of ADs need to hear. He was talking about analytics and about how at uh, FAU, he started using those analytics on the field and he found that they were right that you know don't don't kick a lot of long field goals the the odds aren't good you're better off going for it uh, a lot of things like that and he said that a lot of coaches he kind of implied that he used to be one of them a lot of coaches coach with the post-game press conference in mind, knowing that they're going to get ripped. And he said, prepare to rip me. And I thought a little bit about that when Arkansas announced the Sam Pittman hire. I thought, you know, they went with the choice that maybe it's a risk. I mean, it's like you're talking about Matt Luke. Why did they not consider a guy like Matt Luke? They didn't consider a guy like Matt Luke because it would get ripped. Hunter Juracek would get ripped. And so he went with a guy that he thought wouldn't get ripped because he's beloved there at Arkansas from when he coached there. There was a lot of former players that pushed for him, a lot of boosters that pushed for him in the wake of of not getting Lane Kiffin. And, look, I hope it works out for Sam Pittman because, like you said, he's a warm, nice guy, all of those things. You like to see good things happen to good people. But, man, oh, man, it just on paper and when you watch him and stuff, it just – feels kind of forced and and we saw this with Matt Luke at Ole Miss when you don't have coordinator experience when you don't have head coaching experience in this league this league can eat you up and spit you out fast yeah to Shark Tank and you know maybe Sam will surprise us you know maybe so but it seems to be a gamble and I would have looked for somebody young and aggressive. Another guy that I don't think Arkansas had to look real hard and look real fast for would have been Mike Norvell. Now, maybe you knew something I don't, but that sure seemed like a guy that would have been a good SEC coach. Oh, he was the guy that I think Ole Miss wanted initially, and they realized that they couldn't get him, and they, they went to uh, to the rest of their list, and that's where Lane Kiffin really stuck out that, and the fact that the fans, the fan groundswell for Kiffin here was, was a, a major factor. There's no question. Um, Missouri hires Aliyah Drinkwitz from Appalachian State. Had a great year there. Been with Dave Doran at NC State before that. He's young. I know that Keith Carter, the AD here, talked to Drinkwitz during Ole Miss's search. Really liked him. Came away very impressed. Uh, what do you expect there? I like the hire. You know, I think he's a good kid. He's only with Appalachian State for one year, though, right? Yeah, just I the mean, one season. Uh, he inherited a pretty good program, so... How much do we really know about his ability to build or rebuild a program? You know, I don't know. That was another coaching decision that surprised me, frankly. I thought Barry Odom was a very good coach. And I thought, you know, another guy that was a, you know, a former player at his school. Uh, I thought Missouri was headed in the right direction. Obviously, they had a pretty big injury this year, and they were trying to replace a pretty great quarterback. Uh, the, the lack of patience, Neil, um, you know, if you don't get it done in one cycle, three or four years. I, I just I think that is not good, and I think that's counterproductive. I think you know recruits look for a certain level of cohesiveness. Um, you know they want to know that the coach that's recruiting them is going to be there in four years. Not many schools can promise you that. What would we put the odds at of Lane Kiffin being at Ole Miss in a four-year cycle? Fifty-fifty, maybe. Not necessarily because he doesn't do good, but what if he does so good? 
what if he does so good uh, and wins 10 games and Clay Hilton gets fired at USC? Is Lane going back there again? If the opportunity arises, I don't know. Or can we see him settling down and, and uh, you know, making his home in Oxford, Mississippi for the next six to eight years and deciding to grow old there? I'm not sure. Um, it would be fascinating. It would be fascinating to see what happens if, let's say, it goes uh, stair stepper well here, seven and five next year, get to a Music City sort of a bowl. Everybody would be jacked up. I mean, in that scenario, Ole Miss would take thirty thousand people to Nashville if they took one. And then the year after that, let's say they go nine and three and. Boy, the three are close. You know, it's you lose to maybe you lose to Alabama and you lose to LSU and you lose to I don't know Tennessee in Knoxville by a couple of points or something. And, and and next thing you know, people are like, man, they're a they're a contender next season. And then let's say in year three they are a contender. They they get to ten and two, something crazy like that, where people are like really talking national coach of the year type stuff. It would be fascinating to see. What Lane Kiffin's thought process was at the age of 47 in that scenario, does he stay at the place that gave him an opportunity when, frankly, people are afraid to give him the opportunity, or would he jump again? That would be a wild story to sort of follow to see uh, how how it sort of all unfolded. Because in that scenario, Ole Miss would be very motivated to keep him financially and otherwise and people would be coming after him because it's so much easier to hire the guy coming off success than it is to hire the guy when you're in Ole Miss issues where everyone is saying hey man a lot of risk here high risk high reward high risk high reward when you take the risk out of that deal and it's just hey high reward well now everybody wants you great great yeah it is it'll be fascinating you know and and what kind of resources will it take in three years I mean, for that kind of coach. I mean, are we talking about a $10 million coach? And, and sooner or later, Nick Saban's going to leave Alabama. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. What are they going to hire? Who are they going to hire? Which former Alabama assistant coach are they going after in three years or four years? Is it Jeremy Pruitt? Is, is it Kirby Smart? Maybe, maybe the Georgia fans give Kirby the former treatment if he doesn't win a national championship. And they say anybody can win at Georgia. And Kirby, in three years, two more years, Kirby doesn't have a national title. He said, you know what? I don't need this. I don't, I don't need, you know, that's what Steve, people say, oh, Mike, that's right. I say, remember now, Steve Spurrier. <laughs> there was nobody more of a gator than Steve Spurrier. But after, after, after 12 years there, uh, when they lost to Tennessee in 2001, and everybody was complaining, Steve Spurrier said, the day that you win 10 games and it's not good enough, it's time to leave. He's and right. you got to be and careful. He's and right. Fans can do that. He's right. Look at Saban this year. They're 10-2. And, and look, it's a very small minority. But for the first time in a long time, some Alabama fans are kind of grumbling about underachieving. And you hear about the rumors that a lot of coaches want to leave. There are published reports out today that Lane Kiffin, as an example, is trying to kind of raid his staff. I know that, I know that other coaches who have left have sort of reached out to people. There's... It does feel to me like, and let me be very careful the way I say this, because there's a chance that Tua and all of those cats come back next year and they're the dominant team in the country. But it does feel like for the first time 
oh, in a decade that maybe not even cracks, but maybe just little fissures in the foundation, just just little 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 lines that you look at and go, that's ah, no big deal yet, but we need to keep an eye on it. it. It feels like that to me, and I don't know if that's fair or if I'm just having a lot of recency bias. They lost to Auburn. They lost to LSU. It just You look at them, and they've always been this dominant defense, and this season they weren't a dominant defense, and they were so dependent on Tua, and sure enough, he gets hurt, and they they were mortal there at the end. You know, key injuries, and I don't think this defensive staff did a good job. You know, it makes what Nick did the previous two years all the more remarkable that he was able to get new coordinators in there and continue to win because, you know, you and I have been around long enough to know that that is not the formula for success anywhere else. What Nick did has not been done. It was unprecedented to replace that many staff members and stay on top. It just doesn't happen. You need continuity. You know, and, and now Ben was able to break that mold. So, if anything, I think it underscores how impressive what he did the previous two seasons was. I don't think this defensive staff performed well. I, I, I'm not going to say that he's going to publicly fire anybody, but I would be shocked if there weren't changes and there were in, people invited to leave. Uh, so, uh, another question is, who does Nick go out and get? And, and to your point, who does want to go through that car wash? Because it isn't a place you go typically as an assistant to stick around. Because Nick is relentless, and it takes a lot to work for him. And I, and I, I think a lot of coaches are, have become that way. Um, you know, a little, a little bit out of the uh, Belichick school, correct? Um, so, you know, to, to, to tie it all together, that's why it's interesting to see what, what Ray will do as a head coach now. I, and, again, I don't want to sell him short for Florida Atlantic, but to me that's kind of a make-believe world down there. That's not winning in the SEC, right? Um I want to see what he does in the SEC this time around. In my opinion, his seven wins at Tennessee, while there were a couple of good wins, I think he had a nine or a ten win team. I think he chased away a couple of good quarterbacks. Um, I think he developed, a, did a very good job of developing Jonathan Crompton. It was kind of a mixed bag. But for a 34-year-old guy, okay. I want to see what happens ten years later now. Because I think Matt Luke is left with this in a good place. I think when he's got talent, and he certainly has momentum there. And uh, I'll be one of those people that'll be checking in. I'll be one of those people that'll say, I wonder what's going to happen at Ole Miss, and what version of Lane Kiffin do we get, and what kind of headlines come out of that town. Are we going to see him at the Boys and Girls Club? Are we going to see him at the dance club? I'll wait and see. All right, last thing. you've got. I've kept you far longer than I meant to on your vacation. Last thing, the playoffs are set. You've seen a lot of these teams. You talked about LSU a little while ago. I share your sentiments that they look like an incredible football team. Uh, so Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, Oklahoma, what, what, what's your prediction for a final, and who do you think wins the thing? I think it's the Battle of Tigers, and as good as LSU looks, we know how one North can make a difference. And uh, I think the only team that can stop LSU is Clemson because I think they have the offense that can strike deep and strike early. You know, Georgia could have if the guy doesn't got the ball in the first part of the game. But you, you better get ahead. You better play ahead. You better have an offense that can run with them. I don't think that Georgia could have done that. Uh, I don't think Ohio State, I'm not, I'm not bought into Ohio State, Neil. I guess that's, what, that's the question a lot of people have. I know they won a lot of games by a big margin, but I'm not impressed by watching my the eyeball test doesn't impress me with Ohio State. Uh, I think it's a battle of Tigers, and I think it's a, who plays better that night. And I'm not going to take anything away from Dabo. Uh, I think it, it's uh, it just he happens to be in a league where he doesn't have to play a lot of guys that get beat up like they do in the league. And 
Clemson's a better team at the end of the year. Uh, they were last year. I think they're right now. And I think they'll be confident. And I think uh, you talked about coaching continuity. They have it. I think that's to their benefit. And I think Clemson's the only team that can beat LSU. And I think it's who plays better that night. Who gets the breaks maybe early. Something like that. Yeah, you saw LSU up close and personal just, what, a week ago. And they are... Uh... They can strike on you quick. They can they can hit you in so many different ways. They can score a bunch of points in a hurry. And you're not the first person to say that about Clemson. And I've noticed it over the course of the season. They've just started blowing people out, and and they're going to be fresh. And uh, they he has Dabo has been able to take a team that is borderline dynastic and have it wear that underdog chip on its shoulder. And that that will be interesting. And LSU is going to have this month of. Uh, and, it, you know, a month of awards, uh, the, the assistant coach of the year, Orgeron's getting the Walter Camp coach of the year, Burrow's going to win the Heisman, all of those things. And sometimes those things distract a little bit as you get ready for a playoff run. But, That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, we've seen they're awfully before. good. They're awfully good. So, hey, Mike, thanks so much for the times. Great stuff, as always. Look forward to, uh, to doing it again and, and glad to talk to you. Merry Christmas to you and your family. I hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, Neil. I appreciate it. Bye. Our thanks to Mike. He joined us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters is sports, music, drink, and food. It's known for its great food, New Orleans-style po'boys and handcrafted burgers, all with the Cajun flair. Rafters on the Square offers the best sports viewing in Oxford with 14 large flat screen plus a 17-foot big screen on the Rafters stage. It's known for its famous Bloody Mary, but they've got three full bars including an outside patio bar. It's open Monday through Thursday at 5, Friday and Saturday from 11 until 2, and the Sunday brunch is voted the best brunch in Oxford. It's open from 1045 until 3, features live bluegrass band and $3 mimosas there at Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford. We're also brought to you by Strategic Partners in Media. SPM is a full-service advertising agency, works with businesses of all types, big or small, Fortune 500 companies to startups. SPM can help your advertising needs for TV, radio, print, and every facet of social and digital media. Look, here's why SPM is really good and different than other ad firms. They handle everything in-house. They don't sub their work out. The writing, the production, the editing is all done solely by their staff, crafted uniquely for their clients. And it's an Ole Miss grad and a Mississippian who's a partner in the firm, so give them a call, see how great they are. Get in touch with them at Austin at strategicpartnersmedia.com. We'll come back next week. We'll uh, probably start shifting towards some Christmas preparations. Talk some cocktails, talk some food like we always do in advance of the big holiday and Santa's big trip. But until then, I uh, hope you enjoyed the time with Mike Griffith, some college football insight from one of the absolute best in my business. So until next week, Thanks to Mike Griffith. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to the Oxford Crystal for making this possible. And we will talk to you then. Have a great weekend. Take care.